And I'm, I'm so thankful as we've studied uh, into this, going into this uh, sermon. I'm so thankful for the words that God has laid on our heart. Uh, but if you want to go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 through 32 is what we'll read. Um, as we continue on this idea of surrender and sacrificial obedience. Surrender and sacrificial obedience. As last week we, we talked about surrendering the little things. And, you know, a lot of times um, we read a scripture of Jesus in Gethsemane's garden and how he basically sacrificed his will and his desire for his father. Father's will and desire when it came to the life and death situation of the cross, but but how the disciples they they failed to even be able to sacrifice their desire for a, a little nap um, to do what the Lord wanted them to and just pray for a little while. And how oftentimes we fall more into that vein of the disciples than we do fall into the vein of Christ. That we we have a hard time sacrificing the little things. And I pray that you were challenged through that, and that maybe you find found some places this week to sacrifice the little things in favor of what it was that God wanted you to do. We're going to continue on this idea of sacrificing and surrender um, here in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. We're going to talk about surrendering and surrender the past, okay? Um, so before we read the scripture, I just, just want to kind of set the stage, you know, in, in the future, you know, we all, a lot of people talk about future, especially when you're younger, you think about where you're going to be in the next couple of years or what you're going to do, you're going to be married, what you're going to have. And as you get a little bit older, you think about retirement, you think about, you know, what it means to, to be, you know, to not have to work every day and, and what that freedom looks like. You think about having grandkids and we all have different pictures of what the, the future looks like, but it's constantly shifting, right? You know, something bad can happen in retirement, you have to push it back a couple of years. Or, or maybe you plan on getting married, and, or you plan on going to school, or you plan on getting a, a new house, and something happens, and the finances aren't there, and, the, and you're just not in the right community or whatnot. The future is, is constantly shifting. You know, what we, we may have predicted 10, 15 years ago, usually a lot of times isn't what we, we see. In the Back to the Future movie, um, they go to the future. They go to October 21st, 2015, and they show up in this place, and there's there's flying cars, and there's cyborgs, and pizza can be rehydrated and go from a little nugget to a full-size pizza, and, and hoverboards, and all these fancy, crazy things, you know, and, and it's about seven years since that date, and we don't really have have any of those things. You know, there might be some flying cars that are in testing and experimental and, and different things like that, but we, we are not where... Fly, or the, the Back to the Future predicted 2015 would be. It's, it's constantly changed. We don't know what the future holds. But just as much as the future is uncertain, the past is settled. Right? What's happened in the past can't be changed. It's the past. It, it's there. But that doesn't mean the past doesn't have an impact on our lives. Many times the past has a greater impact on our lives than, the, than what the future may hold ever would have. It makes has impact on our decisions, on what we do, on where we go, on, on who we are, who we're around, what, what we're able to do. The past has that impact. And so today while we're looking at this part of Jacob's story, it's what we'll be reading, we'll see the impact that his past held on him in his present life. And ultimately how his past impacted the future of not just Jacob, but the whole whole country and, and tribe of Israel, and ultimately the, the eventuality of the world, how the, his past had that impact, okay? So Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32, reads like this. So it says, During the night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female slaves, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, along with all his possessions. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. 
But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, he said, and I have been delivered. The sun shone on him as he passed by Peniel, limping because of his hip. That is why to this day the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. So Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. Right? So, so just as much as the, the past is settled, the past is, is also pretty clingy at times. We all can attest to the fact that usually some part of our past hangs on to us still to this to this day. Right? Hunter, come here. Okay. Good man. I asked him if his shirt was expensive this morning. Made sure it wasn't one of those high dollar, you know, plain looking shirts that's seventy five dollars. I don't buy those kind of t shirts, I guess you don't either. Right? I don't think this will ruin the shirt, but if it does, okay. <laughs> so, if you've had a kid, you know what glitter is, right? You know what glitter is, right? Okay. You might not play the. I'm sure Riley has got this all over your times, right? Okay. Glitter, and most of us can attest to the clinginess of glitter, right? So I'll I'll, I'll vacuum this up if I can, okay? So. We have glitter. We a lot of times we'll get it on. If you got a kid, that looks beautiful, right? You got a kid, you played mess with glitter, glitter. They've had it on some kind of piece of art, or they put it on their Barbie doll, or whatever it is. And you get the glitter on you. I'm, I'm sure I've seen David come in with glitter on his face before. You know, I mean, it's it's just something that when you have a kid, glitter ends up everywhere, right? And you go and, and you go to clean off the glitter. And it does pretty good, right? I mean, it's all on the floor now. But if you're close like I am, and you might be able to see from back there, there's still some some glitter that clings to them, right? No matter how much I wipe, there's still some glitter there. And they'll, they'll probably be glitter there until four or five washes later. And he'll probably find glitter all over him the rest of the day because glitter has a tendency to cling. Just like glitter clings, our past clings to us, to us too. You know, maybe it's a nickname or some embarrassing story that you've still not been able to live down 30, 40 years after high school. Uh, you know, maybe it's your hometown. It's just there's just something about your hometown you're always attached to. It. No matter where you go, it still holds a, a big part of your life. Maybe it's your family relationships. You you moved off, you grew up, you went your own way, but you yeah, that your family, your history, their story, it's still clings to you. In middle school there was a bunch of Jacobs in school so I ended up going by Jake for a while. Okay, My great 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 grandmother always called me Jake the Snake. We'd go take her um, spitting tobacco. Um, grossest stuff I've ever seen and we'd, we'd take it to her. She'll, she was a hundred some years old. She still chewed this stuff. We'd take it to her and she'd say, there's Jake the Snake with my tobacco. And, and she, you know, So I went by Jake for the, for the longest time and I got older and I began preaching and everything and and people still call me Jake, and I came to the point where it's like, you know, Jake's middle school man. I'm Jacob now, you know. But still to this day, there's people back home that I go back home, and they're, it's Jake because 
because that's clung to me. That part of my past, that period of my story has, has clung to me. You know, those things are, are mostly good and fun. That embarrassing story, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be. The nickname, it's, it's just something you joke about now. Your family, your hometown, you know, no matter where, it, it still means a lot to you. But, but some things that cling to us from our past aren't as good. You know, maybe it was a bad time in our life and there's a rap sheet. Um, maybe there's a bad reputation that we have in the community with the people around us. Um, maybe there's a broken family left behind that still clings to us. Maybe, maybe there's even physical scars or emotional scars, mental scars that, that cling to you to represent and to remind you of that point in your past, that, that point in your your story, and I think we all understand and know that the past is clingy. It sticks with us. It sticks with us. You can go anywhere in the world, and it's the craziest thing. You'll meet somebody eventually that you know or that knows somebody that you know. It's a small world. It feels that way. So the past is there. It's always there. And we can see that that weight and that gravity... Of Jacob's past is still clinging to him, right? Verses 27 and 28 reads like this. This is, if you don't understand, this is God speaking. Jacob was wrestling with God, with, with the form of God, physical form there on earth. He said, what is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob saying his name was Jacob wasn't just him saying that it was his name. It was a testimony of who he had been. Because in biblically the Bible says that the Jacob means the one that supplants or circumvents or deceives. And here's Jacob. He's matured a lot. He's many years away from home. And he's got to the point where he owns it. He knows his actions in the past weren't the most upright. Or just. He sees how they're still affecting him and his family today as he prepares to go meet Esau. Jacob wasn't just saying, My name's Jacob, but Jacob was saying, My story, my past, this thing that defines me, I am the supplanter. I am the one that deceived my brother. I am the one that did these things. Yes, my name is Jacob, but more than that, that's who I am. My past tells me that. That's what it says about me. That's what it tells me about who I am, that I'm this one. I, I, I supplant, I circumvent the right way, I deceive to get what I want. This is, this is who I am. And in this moment, the weight and the gravity of that, of that knowledge, of knowing that of his past, weighed heavily on Jacob. It clung, clung to him. And he just couldn't seem to to get past it and here as he goes to me and Esau, he was really going to have to face it, face to face, to deal with it. But see, it was in this moment, he doesn't just say his name's Jacob, but then God replies. And I think we all, we all should be grateful that God just doesn't ask of us, he replies. Amen? And usually what he replies will completely and totally change the way we see what we just said. So what Jacob says is, I'm Jacob. But what God says here later, he says, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Completely changes 
the way Jacob sees things. Because God wanted to remind Jacob that what he was consumed by, this past, these bad choices, these bad decisions, these things that he's done, the regrets and the shame that he was carrying in, wasn't all that God saw. That as he wrestled with him, God didn't see Jacob the deceiver, Jacob the supplanter, Jacob the one that did all this. God saw the man that that very same night had struggled with God and prevailed. So God wanted to remind Jacob, hey, you might be stuck in this place of the past, but that's all you can think of, that's all that's around you, that's all you're consumed by. But I want to remind you. I've just spent this, this evening, this night with you, wrestling with you, toiling with you, and, and I see something different about your story than you yourself see right now. So God changed his name, gave him a, a new name, and ultimately that's what Israel means. He's that struggled but prevailed. He reframed the story in his past to present something different about it. So Jacob's past didn't change, though, when he got the new name. It wasn't like God said, well, now you're Israel. Now, all that stuff that happened, nobody else knows about it. Nobody else remembers it. I've blotted it out of everybody's mind. It's forgotten. You get, you get a fresh start. We get a fresh start with God, but that doesn't mean everything... Back there has changed. So Jacob's past hasn't changed. Esau and his hundreds of men that look like they're ready for war are still across that river. Those things haven't changed. Jacob's still (coughs) deceived. He still took and supplanted the birthright and the blessing. Jacob did those things. Those things are still true about his story. So how did it happen that Jacob's that Jacob, once he changed to Israel, was able to move past in some sense his past? And this is how he he began shifting his focus. Okay? So let's look back at verse twenty four. So it says Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak, right? I don't know about you, but I know in my life. If I know something pretty serious is coming up, some kind of big thing in my life, I don't need to be alone with that. Because if I sit alone with that, what, what I do is I begin to dwell on it. I begin to ponder on it. I begin to sink deeper into it and just become overwhelmed and suffocated and drowned by just completely thinking about that. So here Jacob was. He was left alone. And obviously he wasn't in the right mindset. Wasn't in a good place. Wasn't in a, in a place where God wanted him to be. And we put ourselves in those similar positions many times in our life. Something bad happens. Something, something dark happens in our life. Something awful. Just a miserable thing happens. Or miserable things about to happen. Whatever it may be, and and we just pull away from everything, and we just begin to focus solely on that negative, bad, painful, hurtful thing. And that's not what God desires 
for his people. Let me give you this example. If you married folk, or people who have been in a, a serious relationship, look at your spouse right now. You know, find them, look at them. If you can't, I mean, don't go into another room, but look at them. You know, you're not looking at them. There we go. Look at them lovingly, tenderly, all the love in your heart, right? This person that you love, say that majority of the time that they're with you, they spent talking about their previous relationships. 50% of your, the conversations they had with you was either talking about how bad certain relationships were in their past or, or how good certain relationships were in the past. How healthy would your relationship be? If they spent a lot of time talking about, man, man, this person, that relationship did me wrong. Man, that relationship ended really badly. We both were hurt. You might think that they're not really present in your current relationship. If they constantly talked about, man, that person I was with, they were such a good person. They were so nice. They were so friendly to everybody. They had nice... They could really cook. You want to have a good meal? You you should have had something that not this other person you know cooked for me or whatever. You should you should have tried that. Those conversations happen, and it's probably not going to be healthy for your relationship, right? You're going to think that you're not good enough. That there's something wrong with you, or that they wish that they were in another place with another person or another season in their life. And the ultimate reality is, is, that, is that oftentimes we do those same things with our relationship with God. We'll oftentimes look back on our past and focus on our past either with great regret and shame about what we've done and feel bad about it and, and grieve about it and, and be hurt about it. Or sometimes we'll be just look back on the past with longing and with desire, being wishing we were back in that point. While God has given us everything that we could hope for and dream of and desire and want in a relationship with Him, and we're looking back and focusing on the past. Focusing on all the bad or focusing on all the good and, and not enjoying what God has, has blessed us with. And God looked down and saw Jacob here at what would become Peniel. And He sees Jacob in this place. Consumed, overwhelmed, focusing, sinking deeper and deeper into his mind, thinking about what had happened, about the past, about his regret and his shame of what he'd done. And God realized that that wasn't where Jacob needed to be. So here's what I find amazing, okay? And I've never thought about this until I read this scripture. It says, Jacob was left alone. Not a good place to be. Right? And then there's a comma. Okay? There's a comma. I'm not a, an English, big English person at all. Right? Not a strong literary mind. But I know what a comma means. A comma means that there is a brief pause in the writing to cover a gap or possibly to transition from one thing to another thing, right? So Jacob was left alone 
comma, and a man wrestled with him until death. So there was something that happened in this comma where Jacob was alone, comma, Jacob's not alone. Right? Now I don't see in the scripture where Jacob was going to look for somebody to wrestle with. That wasn't what Jacob's mindset was at that moment right then. He was thinking about his past. He was thinking about what was on the other side of that river. He was thinking about Esau. He was thinking about all of Esau's men. He was thinking about sending his children and his wives ahead and everything and wondering if they'll be safe, wondering if everything will be okay. That's what he was thinking about. Jacob wasn't looking for somebody to wrestle with. So what that leaves us to understand is that God was the one that initiated and started the fight. Crazy, right? God starting a fight with Jacob. Why would God start a fight with somebody? I mean, I've never been in a fight, thankfully, because I probably would have got my tail whipped. I mean, that's the honest truth. I'm not a fight. I might look intimidating, but I'm not. I'm not a fight. I'd hit the ground pretty quick. And I'd play dead, and I'd wish they'd, hope they'd just walk away. <laughs> I mean, that's the honest goodness truth. I mean, me and Tara argue. I, I'm just on the ground. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll hear that later. But, um... <laughs> But no, I'm not a fighter. Some of you might be. You know, you might be rowdy. You might be rambunctious. But, but here it is. Jacob was not looking for a fight in this moment. He was consumed too much with his past. So God said, to get you to stop focusing on your past, I want to pick a fight with you. And I want to start something with you. So that instead of focusing on the past, when you're wrestling with me, all you can focus on is me. All you can focus on is God. And that's what happens. It's not necessarily the name change. It just really shakes Jacob and makes it where he realizes that, that hey, I need to change my way of thinking. I need to change what I'm, what I'm doing. I need, I need to change my mindset. I need to, to, to continue to move past this, that, that these things have happened, but it's not where I'm at right now. It wasn't the name change necessarily. It was the night that, that Jacob spent solely focusing on God. Being in his presence and focusing on him. And there's many times that God looks down from heaven, Christ looks down from heaven, and he sees us where we're at, focusing and consumed by our past, by all the things, maybe it's we're focused on the bad things and all the regret and the shame. We're focusing on the good things and the longing and desire of how things used to be. And we're focusing, focusing, focusing on that. And he just wants to, and he just comes and he literally shakes Jacob from focusing on those things and says, Look at me. Focus on me. See me. Ignore all the other stuff. See me. And there's moments and there's times and there's seasons in our life where we can be so focused on the past, so focused on the hurt, so focused on the, the good that we see that really, if we're honest, it wasn't good for us, but we're looking back. In hindsight, we see things through rose-colored glasses sometimes. And we're just so focused on that and so consumed by that and just we go deeper and deeper the longer we're focused on it and that God just comes by and He just shakes us for a moment. He says, look at me. Look at me. No matter what else is going on, look at me. 
I love the story. And I, and I, I don't know if I preached this sermon here, but I know I preached a sermon before. Along the ideas of, of Peter. The Bible says that there was a time when they were out in the boat. The disciples were and Jesus went up to pray for a season in the mountain. And when a straight storm, the Bible says, came upon the boat to where the disciples thought they were going to die. They were going to perish. And they look out and they see a figure in a form. They say, is it a phantom? Is it a spirit of some kind? And then finally they begin to, to realize, maybe that's, maybe that's Jesus. And Peter cries out. He says, Lord, if it be you, bid me to, to come to you. He does. He says, come, come, Peter. Steps out on the boat and begins to walk above the waves. Scripture is very clear in stating that as long as his eyes remained on the Father, on, 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 on Christ, sorry, um, he was able to walk above the waves. But when his eyes began to drift and become consumed and focused on the waves, and no doubt what Peter had seen in the past, no doubt he'd seen boats capsized in waves like this. No doubt he'd seen men drowned in storms like this. No doubt he'd seen families lose husbands and sons in difficult weather like this. His mind and his senses became focused on anything and everything but God. And the Bible says at that moment he began to sing. He lifted up his hand, cried out, said, Save me. What does the Lord do? He reaches his hand out as well and, and saves him. And he doesn't say it. But no doubt there was a teaching moment later on where Jesus said, Do you know, do you see what happened when you took your focus off of me? And I think we can all attest to in our life when we take our focus off of Christ, we end up in worse situations. Or the situation seems worse than it really is. So the way that Jacob was able to really get from this place where I can just imagine this, this, this dark, brooding man sitting on this stone just probably waiting to die, totally expecting to go across that river and he saw his brother kill him for what he'd done. Dark place. And Jesus comes. And shifts his focus from everything that had been and all the bad and all the, the things that were messed up and all the things that he'd done, all the things that he regretted, all the things he said, hey, we're moving past that. Look at me. Just look at me in this moment, during this time. Focus on me. Wrestle with me. Spend this time to where all the other things fade away and it's just me and you. That's what happened. To help Jacob get through this season, through this point, through this difficult time in his life. And I'm so thankful that there has been seasons and times in my life where God picks a fight with me. So that I realize that I'm focusing on the wrong things. And I need to be looking at him. You might not be expecting it. And you might and usually you're not looking for God in those moments. But I'm thankful in those moments when you're not looking for God that He comes looking for me. And says, Look at me. Look at me. But here's the truth. We do that. We we do that. We we go and we, we
We realize, hey, the past is clinging to us. We kind of come to that realization. We shift our focus from from the past, the, either what we regretted or were ashamed of, or what we're longing for, or kind of looking back, desiring, all those things. We shift that focus, and we shift it back to God. We shift it back to Christ for what He's done, how He loves us, how, all, he's, all He's provided for us, all, all He's doing in our life. We shift that focus, and, and, and things get better for a season, right? I, I, that, that's what's happened in my life, and, and, and testimony that's happened in other people. When they begin to focus more on God, that, that they see a difference, see a change in their life, or at least... Life is, is better to, to, to view it differently. It doesn't look as dire in those moments. But ultimately, we must make the choice to continually do that. To continually do that. I'd like to sit here, stand up here and tell you that once you sacrifice everything in your old life, you'll never come back again. I'd like to sit here and tell you that once you surrender everything that you regret and that you're ashamed of, or once you surrender everything that you used to long for and desire, that it would never come back. But I cannot tell you that. And sadly, there's been many churches that have preached this doctrine of, you know, if you just truly surrender to God once, everything is removed. Those are the exceptions, not the rules. More often than not, you will still have those same battles that you were facing before, after. Like I said with, with, with Jacob, just because his name changed didn't mean his past changed. You're still going to go back to the same home that's, that might have busted water pops. You're going to go back to the same car that, that you might have to, to clicky, 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 and then finally get it started and going. You might go back to the same discussions or arguments or whatever you want to call them in your home with your spouse or whatnot. You might still have the same amongst children that drive you up the wall. You may have all the same things in your past. But your focus has shifted. But just as easy as as it to to shift your focus to God, it's easy for the enemy to begin to try to pull your focus back to, to him and on the things of your past and the things that you struggle with and the things that you dislike or the things that hurts you. And many people that have been told this doctrine that you know once you're saved it all goes away and then it doesn't go away, they begin to doubt or they begin to concern or they, they don't understand what's going on and they, they don't really feel like God did what they were promised. So I want you to understand that, that even once the salvation comes, those things in the past still there. And those battles are still there. But just because they're still there doesn't mean you're de- defeated by them. Doesn't mean you have to roll over to them. Doesn't mean you have to give in to them. It means that you have a Heavenly Father that's there to help you fight them. I love Luke 9, 23. It reads like this. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, daily and follow me. The scripture isn't saying that we must be saved anew every day. That that we have to start over her relationship with Christ every day. But it is saying it is saying that, that if we want to be following Christ, that being obedient, that sacrificing the old, that surrendering our past must be a daily occurrence. 
Because you might have got through all those things from your past today. But guess what? A lot of times this is what happens. You go to sleep, you wake up, you're a little groggy. Anybody wake up that way? Nobody just jumps out of bed happy. Kara says, I do, but you don't see me the first 15 minutes. Nobody jumps out of bed happy that I know of, right? Nobody jumps out of bed just bright awake and ready to go unless you know, you're know you some kind of fireman or something and you hear the alarm, right? You wake up and get your day started and all this stuff and you're a little bit groggy and man, those things from the past, they begin to invade the mind. Maybe you get home and it's been a difficult day and you've worked yourself to exhaustion you just throw yourself back in your recliner or favorite chair or whatnot and you begin to drift off and, and those things from the past, they begin to to invade your mind. Difficult times, bad things happen, somebody upsets you. All these things can, can give a little room for those things from the past either that you regret, that you're ashamed of, or that, that you long for and desire to, to begin to work their way back in into your mind. And it kind of came to me like this. Just because you got a haircut yesterday doesn't mean you don't comb it the next day. Just because you, you get saved and you're able to shift that focus today doesn't mean tomorrow you don't set yourself up to focus on Him again and look at Him again and put your, your life and everything in His hands again and, and, and just submit to Him again and surrender to Him again. Because it's you just re renewing and reminding yourself of the trust that you're putting in in Christ. So I think many times we, um, and sometimes it might get weary, but the Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. And just like it's, it's hard to get rid of all the glitter, and I might be sweeping that up for three or four hours, I don't know. It's because it, like it's, hard, it's hard to remove the past, all of the past, from your life. There will be days where things that you'd forgotten, things that you had moved past, things that you had conquered, things that you, you, you had worked out between you and God or maybe you and somebody else in your past, those things that were buried, and you'll see something, or you'll hear something, or you'll go somewhere and you'll be in some situation and all of that will come flooding back. Maybe the pain or the regret, maybe that longing or that desire, and it's there again. And I'm not telling you that there comes a day for you those things don't come back. Because until you, we leave this earth, those things will continue to bombard us and come back because that's, that's all the enemy has to use against us. A lot of times. He wants to pull it back up and pull it back up and pull it back up. But we must continually shift our focus. I love Harper to death. She, she's getting to that age where she just gets in everything. And and you'll direct her one way and she'll go that way for a second and then there she goes. And you'll direct her the right and then there she goes. And our focus shifts to something else. You'll get it focused on, on, on mama. Or you'll get it focused on whatever it is. And, so, and, then, and there she goes. We do the same thing. We shift our focus to Christ and then there we go. We shift our focus to Christ and there we go. We shift our focus to Christ and we're all over the place. 
we must continue to reset our focus on Christ. Never can be a day where we just wake up and say, I'm not going to focus on Jesus today because guess what? Your pastor will come up and bite you then. And it'll get you. And it'll drag you down. And it'll begin to consume you. And you'll sink into a deep place that you thought you'd never go back to again. Reset your focus on Christ. Daily. Hourly. Make Him the center of your focus. We must continually make that choice. Jacob couldn't be Israel. In closing. Jacob couldn't be Israel if he kept thinking like Jacob. Or if he kept thinking like his old self. He couldn't have become the man that God wanted him to be if he stayed rooted and consumed by his past. And you can't be the Christian that God wants you to be if you don't continually surrender the old you, the old life, the regrets, and the longing to Christ daily. As often as they come up, is how often you should surrender them. As often as they raise their head, is how often you should, should sacrifice them and lay them aside. Anytime it's there, it don't need to be there. So push it away. Surrender it back to God again and again and again, continually, so that we can be pleasing to God in all things, in all seasons, throughout all of life. Amen? You all want to stand. I'm thankful that...